I'm Nicolas Bornodis, president of Capital Inc., and I would like to welcome you all to another very interesting panel. China, among other things, has been a destination of choice for the international shipping community that has been raising financing and capital through Chinese leasing options. So this panel uh, features five major international shipping groups and uh, we are going to discuss how they are fitting the Chinese leasing options within the overall range of available options that they have to raise capital in China and beyond. And we have with us Jonathan Silver. He is a partner at Maples Group in uh, Hong Kong. And Jonathan is going to uh, moderate the discussion. So I would like to thank you all for being with us. And Jonathan, I turn over the floor to you. Thank you, Nicholas. <clears throat> Hello and welcome. My name is Jonathan Silver and I run the Asia Shipping and Ship Finance team at Maples Group. The panelists with me today are Evangelos Katsis, CFO of Danaeus Corporation, Harold Gervin, CFO of Flex LNG, Jeffrey Prebor, CFO of International Seaways, Vikram Hiranandani, Director of Corporate Finance with Scorpio Bulkers and Scorpio Tankers, and Christos Beglaris, Co-CFO of Starbulk. <clears throat> I'll ask each of the panelists to introduce himself and his company in a little more detail once we begin our discussions. I'd like to start by thanking Nicholas, Annie and everyone at Capital Link for the invitation to moderate this panel discussion. The subject of our panel today is international ship owners raising capital in China and beyond, Chinese leasing and international finance options. Um, just a very quick word on the Maples Group before I begin. The Mabels Group is a global service provider offering legal services through its international law firm, Maples and Calder, on the laws of the British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, Ireland, Jersey, Luxembourg, and the Marshall Islands, where I'm qualified. The group is also an independent provider of fiduciary fund services, regulatory and compliance, and entity formation and management services. Currently, we have over 2,000 lawyers and professionals based in 18 offices located in the Americas, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. So let me start with a very quick summary of the growth and evolution of the PLC leasing industry from my own experience. The very first deals I worked on as lead counsel when I was at an onshore law firm um, were, were really quite basic and supported with residual value guarantees, RVGs. Um, mainly using aircraft leasing RVGs um, as a base. To explain, there were no precedents, legal precedents, for sale and leaseback structures 10 years ago when we started. Over time, uh, the finance leases became more sophisticated, but the China Banking Regulatory Commission, CBRC, um, their regulations back then prevented PRC finance lessors from debt financing their leases with their own domestic banks. Uh, and indeed the Western banks were still very cautious. That's all changed. Today we see a range of operating lease and finance lease structures and indeed hybrids, many of which are ultimately financed by both international and domestic PLC banks. The, the PLC lessors have now also um, taken advantage of JOLs, Japanese operating leases and JOLCO structures, um, and indeed pure operating leases I'm sure we will see still further evolution in time. Our discussions today will concentrate on the various financing options available to international shipping companies. Um, 
uh, and indeed our, our discussions are intended to cover the panelists' own experience and their own feedback on PRC leasing options. Um, so um, let's let's move on to the, to the questions. Um, kicking off, if I may, with with Vikram. Um, Vikram, you've done a very significant number of Chinese leasing deals since 2017. Um, perhaps can you tell us how much how much is the total amount and, and do you have any details which you can share with us? Absolutely. So we did our first Chinese leasing deal back in April 2017 and this was done at Scorpio Tankers. It was an operating lease set up on three MRs and then shortly thereafter you know we really expanded in this market uh, you know partly due to the navigate acquisition which happened over the summer and the fall so we inher inherited another 460 million dollars of exposure during that time as part of the acquisition and then shortly thereafter within the same year in 2017 we we did another sale lease back for five uh, ships around 112 million in total so the first year we tapped into the market, which was back in 2017, we raised over $600 million at Scorpio Tankers. And then in 2018, um, at Scorpio Tankers, uh, uh, we did um, sale leasebacks with six different Chinese lessors, around 32 product tankers and almost 800 million of uh, leasing debt. So we, you know, we continued the expansion in that space to uh, uh, access capital. And then in 2019, we started tapping into this market for Scorpio bulkers. And we continue to do, you know, some leasing deals even at Scorpio tankers, <coughs> particularly relating to scrubber financing. But at Scorpio bulkers, we did 13 ships with two different Chinese lessors. And it was around 240 million in total. And so, you know, fast forward to today, like currently, we have around $1.7 billion of leasing debt with Chinese lessors you know, at Scorpio Tankers and a little over $230 million at Scorpio Bulkers. So between the two companies, it is around $2 billion. And this is including the, you know, undrawn scrubber financing. So basically committed for any financings. So almost $2 billion of Chinese leasing debt across the two Scorpio companies. And if you talk about the number of vessels, currently it's around 72 product tankers and 13 uh, dry bulk ships that are financed by Chinese uh, lessors. And majority of them are all, you know, basically finance lease. We only have three operating lease under um, Scorpio tankers, but everything else is... Uh, finance least. Thank you very much. Um, moving on to Christos then. Um, Christos, perhaps I could just ask you to give us a little um, background on, on, on your company. Um, and, and also, um, could, could you tell us a little about your experience in, in financing um, in China and, and, and indeed Japan? Thank you, Jonathan. Um, Starbuck is uh, the owner and manager of 116 dry bulk vessels from Supramaxis to Newcastle Maxis. Um, and um, by market cap is the largest uh, owner listed in the US. Although still only 1% of the total dry bulk fleet as we're operating in a very fragmented industry. 
we have dealt with uh, China for a very long time. The first transaction that I was involved in was back in 2010 with the financing of Suez Maxis from uh, China Exim Bank. And then
the signature wrapped Bank of China, China XM loan that was originally done for someone else, for Generate, which, which ordered the ships in China. But we demonstrated to those lenders and, and the agency that our legacy was one of building ships in China and that we would be back. Uh, and they accepted that on a relationship basis. In fact, they remembered our CEO, Lois Rocky, from when she was just head of international product tankers at OSG from four or five years previously. And they said, we'll be back. And we came back. And, and so we fought hard to, to keep that relationship and transport it over to Seaways from, from Generate. And we're, we're proud to have that. It's important to have that. And you, you mentioned the capital markets. Oh, well, leasing, importantly, I, like I said before, we, we don't yet have a Chinese leasing uh, uh, instrument in place. We looked hard at it. It didn't work with our previous balance sheet, but it will with the one we have now. That replacing the term loan B with traditional Scandinavian bank gives us more le loans, gives us more flexibility to do that. So we expect that to be part of our, and we would want it to be part of a diversification of financial sources. And finally, you mentioned capital markets. If yeah. I think, you know, we're public, that's uh, generally a, a positive thing. Uh, it would be nice to, to think about issuing equity. Uh, I live in hope is the phrase I think of that, that we might trade above NAV. I think whether it's dry bulk or, or tankers, I, I know those both best. It's, it's relatively infrequent that, that our stocks trade above NAV, but it's a very good instrument to have available to you uh, at the right time. But equally, yeah. public opens up the capital markets on the debt side as well. That makes, it makes uh, raising money in the bond market, whether it's the institutional bond market in Oslo, the U.S., although it has a, a high minimum size, or the U.S., uh, the so-called baby bond and preferred markets, where we haven't uh, uh, raised that. I know Vikram and, and those have yeah. as well. So it's good to have all those as, as options. Okay, that, that's very kind, thanks. Um, we, we've not got long left, but I'd like to ask uh, Evangelos. Um, if, Evangelos, I understand you had some problems with, with the sound. Can, can you hear me now, Evangelos? N no, okay, well, um, Maybe if if um, if we can come back to Evangelos in in a minute, if we can sort the sound out, um, um, Harold. Just a quick question for you: um, mm. do, do you find that sector-specific knowledge is an important element of the lessor's role? Um, you know, sh should they have a good in-depth knowledge of your own specific sector? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> you know sector-specific knowledge is uh, is important for anybody involved in uh, in ship finance activities. As uh, you know, you the the markets are notoriously cyclical, uh, you know, and uh, and in addition, in the LNG space, you've had a, a massive technological leap um, and also a, a, a change in the sort of underlying market which is uh, which is lng you know you've uh, on the vessel side we've gone from uh, you know building from from the dinosaurs uh, you know building steam vessels up until the the mid 2000s to to really being at the forefront of the the technology with the you know the the latest generation uh, dual fuel uh, two stroke low speed engines yeah um, you know also increased vessel size lower boil off and everything Thing. And then uh, on the LG market, so that's uh, sort of gone from uh, you know a, a more liner trade with 20-year contracts to uh, to LNG becoming a commodity and and really um, uh, you know a functioning spot market for LNG vessels. So uh, 
uh, you know, you see a lot of the banks, they're, uh, they're still, uh, you know, stuck, uh, <laughs> stuck with uh, wanting to finance 20 year contracts, full payout, but, you know, those contracts don't exist anymore. So for us, it's been, you know, both uh, doing uh, traditional bank financing, ECA financing, and, uh, and Chinese lease financing. It's, it's of course, a, a teaching uh, process, uh, you know, with uh, uh, managed to do all the all the financing without any requirement for employment, but I would say with uh, you know with China you know being one of the largest uh, and fastest growing importers of uh, LNG, they uh, I would say they definitely have uh, in depth uh, knowledge of, of of that market. So uh, it's been a positive experience. Thanks, Howard. Let let me just we've only got a tiny bit of um, time left. Evangelos, I wonder if if I could ask you. Um, what are your key considerations when deciding on which PRC lessor you want to <clears throat> transact business with? No, no, I think uh, no. I, well, I think, gentlemen, the the time is 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 pretty much up um, now. So I think. Just, just to wrap up, I, I'd like to thank you all for, for your input today. And um, um, thank you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank, thank you, Jonathan.